trying to think of a, something to say to give you guys a minute to get seated and ask you to stand again. But <laughs> like a lot of times I can think of something. I just couldn't today. Um, would you stand for the reading of Scripture, please? Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I don't always read at the top. But sometimes I do. So Emily and I are, don't always plan it. You know, so I try to play it off. I just couldn't play it off today. Um, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. This is um, from the Beatitudes, and recognize the word attitude within Beatitude. You you follow me? Um, So here's from Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. says, Matthew 5, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's the word of God for the people of God. Father, I ask you to bless the teaching and preaching of this word today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. You can be seated. A couple of months ago, um, I was thinking about this new chapter of the church and trying to figure out how we could rally and unify together um, as, a, as a new kind of church body. Uh, you know, we've got another service that's happening uh, right now at 845 next door. And so um, I said the same thing to them this morning. Want to know how we could bring us together. And so started looking at what Jesus did. Uh, that's not a really profound church growth strategy. Look at what Jesus did. And uh, one of the things he did was communion. Uh, he took this bread and he took this cup and he, um, and he shared it with the disciples. He said, every time that you do this act, remember me and remember what I've done for you. And so um, if we will allow it, this table right here will redirect and redefine our lives. Every time we come to it, it'll redirect and redefine our lives. I want you to say that with me. Redirect and redefine our lives. Those two things are really important. And so uh, I thought, well, let's just celebrate communion together every week as a church. It'd be great if we could all actually do it together with both the services. Um, who's saying we meet in the middle? We'll meet in the middle neath that old. That's what I was thinking of. Maybe we just meet at Sunday school hour and all have communion together. Um, but my point is we're all having communion together for the month of August. And I was sharing this idea about communion with Chris Ashley, who just did the announcements. He's our director of congregational engagement. He said, you know, I got some ideas about this. And I said, well, man, run with it. And so this is kind of the brain behind this is him. And he had this idea that we would um, do a series that comes from Luke twenty two nineteen. I want to put it on the screen for you. But it says, and he took bread, he gave thanks. Some versions say blessed. And he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we, we, we kind of split it into four parts. Um, taken, given, broken, and uh, uh, and anyway, he, he took it, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And so um, 
Chris is doing the, the, the first and the last, and I'm doing the middle. I kind of said, it's like he's the bread, and I'm the, the bologna and cheese, or peanut butter and jelly, whatever you want. So uh, four weeks um, talking about this scripture. So we're going to talk about the word blessed today, and there's so much symbolism in this. I don't know how much you know about the communion table. If you've never received this, it's kind of weird if you're an outsider watching us do this and you don't have Christian lingo and we're talking about the body and blood of a God who died for us. But when Jesus took this, he, he blessed it, what we call consecrate it, and we do the same thing in here. We'll bless the bread. And what that means is that we say a special prayer over it that sets it apart. So it's not just bread, it's bread that represents his body that was broken on the cross. And so when we talk about being blessed, we have to understand the only way that we're truly blessed and set apart is by Christ. We, we are not blessed people apart from Christ. Christ is blessing. But now here's the kicker. Blessing in Jesus looks different than the blessing of the world. To the world, being blessed is having whatever example you want to use. I use example a lot of you know a nice truck pulling a nice boat, um, and everybody's healthy, and all the kids are acting right, right? Like, th that could be a picture of blessing. It could be diamond rings. It could be gold watches, whatever you think. But Jesus says, that's not blessing. Blessing actually looks really different. And so what we're doing is we're looking at the Beatitudes today, attitudes that we're supposed to have when in blessings that Jesus names. And so I, I want to kind of walk us through these these, these attitudes or blessings and talk about what does it look like to be blessed um, as a Christian. Now, as I do this, I want to show you, I want to have a little bit of an analogy here. I didn't mean, when I did this, it's the only kind of grape juice, or uh, not grape juice, but uh, Kool-Aid we had at the house, so it's grape. So it looks like it's something to do with the communion table. Doesn't need to be purple. Um, but, but I got a cup here, and, and I, want, I want you to, to think about something. I'm going to Fill this cup about up to, eh, let's say about right there. Now, I want to know from your perspective, is that cup half full or half empty? Now, if you're here and you say it's half full, just be honest, raise your hand. Okay, whatever. Um, if you say it's half empty, raise your hand. Am I seriously that isolated? Like, I'm half empty a lot of times. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of times I look at the cup and I'm kind of a problem solver and I kind of can tend to lean towards the half empty because I, I want to focus on that part because I'm like, well, who took the rest of it? Like, where is it? Well, what if we had the full cup? What could we do with it? Does anybody here think like that? Like, man, somebody took the rest. Well, who took it? And if we had it, we could do so many other things. And I'm just really disappointed in half of the cup. And, you know, just kind of sit there and stare at it and go, geez, man, it's half empty. Now, a lot of you raised your hand and said that it's half full. And I would say roughly 75% of you don't tell the truth or know what you're doing. And so I think a lot more of you are in this category, but you didn't raise your hand and that's okay. But if you're down here and you really are that person, then, you know, cause you don't run into these people a lot. I mean, like in the workplace, think about how many people just come in with a great attitude every day and no matter what's going on, they're like, man, life's good. I don't think that's as many people as raised their hand in here. But anyway, you are messing up my analogies, my point. Um, but, uh, but if you're that person right there, then, you know, 
you look at things and go, gosh, man, look at what we got. We got a lot to drink. And who's worried about the rest of it? Because we got this and we're blessed with this. Well, here's what I want to tell you this morning is that it's interesting if you look at scripture, Jesus actually says, hey, this part right here that looks so rough, it actually might be the blessing. This might actually be the piece in your life, the empty part might actually be in the piece in your life that redirects you to me. And I think that's what the, what the Beatitudes do is they remind us that blessing as a Christian is not like blessing for the rest of the world. And when we walk with Jesus, we should always have a half full attitude, whether it's easy to do or not, because the reality is heaven just fills the glass and it overflows. Like if you take everything going on in this world and you look at heaven, it just, it just overflows the glass. So life is like technically no sin. Jesus has conquered it all. I mean, he is the sacrificial lamb that has conquered it all. And so the cup really overflows, but we have to remember that. So a few things before we jump in. One, blessing is a mentality. You have to have the mentality of blessing, not a, not a mentality of scarcity, but a mentality of abundance. And another thing um, that I heard this week is that spiritual fruit doesn't necessarily grow on the mountain. Spiritual group, fruit grows in the valley. So you kind of picture, I had this image of like life and like you have the mountaintop and then you, you have two mountains and then you have the valley. And sometimes you're on the mountaintop, but sometimes you're in the valley. And when you're in the valley and it's raining, the interesting thing is the fertile soil may go to the valley and that's where the seed actually grows. But it's a lot easier to be on the mountaintop. But in the valley is where your spiritual faith actually grows. The prophet Isaiah says, I don't have this on the screen, but he says in Isaiah 43, 19 through 20, he says, I'll make a pathway through the wilderness I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I'll make rivers in the wasteland so that my chosen people can be refreshed. So here's, let's walk through this real quick. I'm going to go fast so we can, we got a lot of people to receive um, bread. And by the way, it's grape juice. Grape juice, say grape juice with me, grape juice. It's not wine. A lot of times if you're a visitor, you go, is it grape juice or is it wine? It's grape juice, grape juice, grape juice. Um, there's this thing called the temperance movement, and there's also this guy named Dr. Welsh. And I won't go into the whole story, but that's how we came up with grape juice in the United Methodist Church. If you want to drink wine, you can go to the Episcopal Church right down the road, or somewhere like that, um, I think. Uh, but we're, uh, we're using grape juice. So it says um, in Matthew 5, it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. This is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Very, very long piece of scripture where Jesus is teaching. And so here's what he says, verse three and four. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now pay attention to this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not those who have everything and, you know, jumping for joy all the time. It says in verse four, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So I think what he's saying here is that it seems like the blessing would be to be on a high all the time. But he actually says if you're poor in spirit and if you're mourning, you know that you need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't really know you need Jesus until you know you need Jesus. Am I speaking anybody's language? Yeah, like we had kind of a hard week as a family this week, and I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, it's so nice when things are going great. But you don't really reach out and cry out to Jesus that much because you're like, well, things are good. If I need him, I'll call on him. But when things get hard is when you call on him and you hit your knees and you cry out to him and you have to ask him for help. And I think Jesus is going, hey, it's opposite kind of of what you think. 
we celebrate communion, when you come to this table today, what we're doing is going, hey, we're a group of broken people who are all going through stuff, and the only reason we have hope is because we have Jesus. Like, it's all temporary, but we have Jesus, which is eternal. So remember that when you come to the table. He says in verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek just means you're willing to fall underneath somebody's authority. Submit. Submission. The world doesn't tell you to submit. The world says, you need to be king. Jesus says, I'm king. Submit to me. Verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I don't know about you. I don't like being hungry because I get hangry. I don't like being thirsty, but I'm supposed to hunger and thirst. In other words, have a desire for more. For we will be filled. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy means to be emptied of your pride. In other words, if you're filled with pride and you're on top of the mountain all the time, you're always looking down at everybody else. Jesus says that's not it. You got to be humble. You got to be merciful. You got to care about other people. You got to put yourself up underneath other people and care for them. It says, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Empty ourselves of our pride. Communion reminds me that it's not about me, it's about him. Every time I receive him, it's about him. I could receive communion eight times a day and be reminded it's about him. By the way, did Jesus tell us how often we're supposed to celebrate communion? Did he tell us? Well, I mean, he didn't like say like quarterly. I always find this fascinating that I think like, you know, if you grew up celebrating quarterly, I think a lot of Baptists may have done quarterly, every other month or whatever. Episcopalians do it every week. Catholics do it every week. So if you didn't grow up doing it often, you kind of think like it's against the rules. It's not against the rules. You can do it daily. And there's power in it. Like some people go, if we come to this table over and over, will it get old? Well, Jesus doesn't get old. He doesn't get stale. The bread might, but Jesus doesn't. So... You know, it's just every time we come, it's a time to redirect and redefine our lives. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers. Where are my peacemakers at? Where are my people in here that raise all heck if somebody doesn't do what you want them to do? You know what I'm saying? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. We're supposed to be peacemakers. Find peace with other people. Not cause controversy, not be arrogant. We're supposed to bring peace. Number, uh, verse 10, blessed are those, listen, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When was the last time you were persecuted? When was the last time you took a hit for Jesus? He says that's what it means to be blessed. Listen to verse 11. This doesn't really, it's not really a, a pep rally for Christianity here. It says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Is that what it means to be blessed is what Jesus says? You're like, am I blessed? Am I being persecuted? Am I being insulted? Are people saying bad things about me? That's blessing for the kingdom. And then verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, our church is in a place of transition. I think, I know Chris mentioned his sermon a little bit about this last week, but, um, you know, transition's hard. People get hurt. Uh, we're all broken individuals. Church is a place for broken people. Um, there's growth in the brokenness. That's what I've learned. Like, there's growth in the valley. So if things were going great all the time, 
you're grow, you don't get you don't get stretched. You get stretched when you're going through hard times. And I think this is an opportunity for us to grow as we move into the next chapter as, as a church. And we come to this table together. Remember that we're one body and one church, right? <laughs> right? Okay. Oh, I could have rearranged the sermon and tried to work out that point at a different moment, but... Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we are. So I guess as we gather around the table, I want us to remember um, nobody's perfect. Let this table redefine us. Let it redirect us. And as we eat the bread and we remember Jesus who lived his life to die. I mean, I always think about that. I'm like, I, <laughs> Jesus was the most blessed individual that ever walked the earth. And he died on a cross. So if you don't feel like your life is blessed and you feel like it's half empty, maybe just redirect your thinking to know the most blessed individual to ever walk the earth died a violent death on the cross. It's a lot to think about. So as we come to this table, let us remember his sacrifice for us and how he calls us to live and sacrifice for one another.